I'm Gary Bard, founder and editor-in-chief of today's Caregiver Magazine and Caregiver.com, and your host for our weekly caregiving podcast series. In this podcast, we will introduce you to many of the leading caregiving thought leaders, authors, experts, and even caregivers with famous faces who have graced the covers of our magazine. I am thrilled to be talking to Sandra Raymond, Chief Executive Officer of the Lupus Foundation of America. This is a very important issue for so many of our readers and so many of our attendees at Fearless Caregiver Conference. So I really appreciate you taking the time and and talking with us. Well, it's our pleasure uh, to talk with you and to talk with your listeners um, and readers about the Lupus Foundation of America and about all the resources that we have for caregivers in lupus. What is lupus? What is lupus? So, you know, this is a very complex disease. It's very difficult to define. It is a um, an autoimmune disease, chronic a chronic autoimmune disease, which uh, causes the immune system to uh, not be able to recognize uh, good the good players in the immune system and the bad actors. And so you have uh, an immune system that goes into dysregulation. In lupus, it becomes hyperactive, and the immune system begins to recognize everything as an invader and begins to attack normal, healthy organs and tissues. That is the sad thing about lupus, that the organ is is perfectly normal and healthy, and uh, the immune system just is, is, is going out of balance, out of regulation, and begins to recognize um, invaders when invaders aren't there. So normally the immune system is our defense system, and it fights off bacteria, and it fights off virus viruses, and uh, in this instance, it, it, it just loses its opportunity to recognize the difference. Who does lupus typically affect? Well, it typically affects young women between the ages of 14 and 40, and although men develop lupus and, and children as well. And, and women of color are disproportionately affected by lupus. From what I understand, it's, it's not so easy to diagnose. You have to get to the right doctor. You have to, you have to see this package of symptoms and ailments as being um, all part of a lupus diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Is is that true? It is true. Uh, the symptoms of lupus mimic symptoms of other diseases, so that's why it's so difficult to get a diagnosis. In our studies, we have found it takes uh, almost six years, an average of six years, and four different physicians to obtain a correct diagnosis. So that is an issue. And while, you know, when six years goes by, you have a disease that's progressing. And we're talking about internal organs, kidneys, you know, blood system, brain. When you're talking about organs that are being attacked, that means damage is occurring. And so it's really important for us to cut the time to diagnosis. What kind of doctor are we thinking of taking our loved ones to? I, I think if you if you look at all of the symptoms that are out there, fatigue, headaches, painful swollen joints, uh, a butterfly rash on the face, hair loss, uh, abnormal blood clotting, mouth sores or nose ulcers, pain in the chest. See, all these things can be flu symptoms. They can be, you know, they can mimic so many other uh, diseases. But I think 
that the caregiver, if something is occurring with a family member um, and they haven't been diagnosed, the question, could this be lupus, should be uh, on their minds. And certainly they should seek out an expert in diagnosis, and that would be, for, for the most part, a rheumatologist. Uh, and rheumatology has really taken the lead in diagnosing and treating uh, and researching in lupus. How does the Lupus Foundation of America help me and help my loved one once a diagnosis happens? Well, we're an organization that really is uh, has a very comprehensive mission. Uh, our mission really is... Um, you know, really looks at f working toward and finding the cure through uh, many research initiatives. At the same time that we're uh, doing that research or funding that research or stimulating money for funding to, uh, of research, we're actually working with uh, uh, patients and caregivers on a daily basis. So we've got a suite of services for caregivers and for individuals with lupus. So, for example, at the front lines, we have a number of health educators, and health educators are receiving calls 24-7 from people who have just been diagnosed, from caregivers who are concerned about the future of their loved one, from children who become caregivers of a parent with lupus. Caregiving in lupus uh, has many faces. You know, it may be a teenager or a young adult who is really supporting a parent with the disease. It may be a husband. It may be a wife. It may be a sister or a mother or a brother. So caregiving is a very, um, you know, for us it's a very global, universal word. What do we have to offer? So our health educators are there taking those calls, helping that caregiver, directing them toward the appropriate physicians, giving them the latest scientific, medically sound information on lupus, uh, providing them with tools and resources so that they can uh, function in a, in a in a in a a really great and loving way uh, with their with the individual that they're caring for. Uh, we have a program called Lupus Connect, where individuals with lupus, whether they're newly diagnosed or they've been diagnosed for a long time, come to this website and can actually uh, connect with other people who are going through the same thing. So in essence, it's almost like a caregiver's support group uh, online. Uh, we have um, other programs that are used by our caregivers. We have information on, on a national resource center on lupus, which is the first of its kind in the world, which has curated material for caregivers. So they, they need to come to the National Resource on Lupus, and they will get all the information that we have to give on caregiving uh, in lupus. And so, um, you know, I think between the Resource Center and Lupus Connect and our health educators, the programs that we do in communities for individuals with lupus, so many times we're doing patient education programs all over this country. We're doing them in hospitals. We're doing them in hotels. We're doing them everywhere. We have experts that are speaking. And I've been to many, many of them, and some of them have audiences of 200 and 300 people. What I see is caregivers coming to those programs either with or without the people in their, in their family that have lupus to learn, to connect up with, to feel like they're not alone. And you also have chapters in 
different cities around the country so people can actually go to a live support group or or absolutely. be involved at a chapter level. That's absolutely right. Those chapters ex- exist across the country. In addition, we're a member of the National Alliance for Caregiving. We have a caregiving task force, which has a, a number of different types of lupus caregivers that we uh, consult with on a, on a regular basis. And that helps us to develop materials and articles and blogs uh, about caregiving and lupus. I also think that once the information gets out there, once the word gets out there, one, like Selena Gomez, I'm sure mm-hmm. that her talking about her, um, her lupus bravely and positively has helped a lot of people go to their doctors and say, wait a second, this yeah. may be what I have. Well, Selena Gomez, you know, has really helped uh, the lupus field tremendously. Her announcement about her lupus and what was she was struggling with uh, was was really, uh, you know, a revelation to the public. Because what she was saying is the kinds of medications that I have to take to control my symptoms include things like chemotherapies and steroids. These are strong, strong drugs. We think of chemotherapy and cancer. It's rare that we think about chemotherapies and lupus, but it's a fact of life. And we have young kids, you know, 8, 9, 10, 12, using chemotherapies to control their disease. So lupus is not what some people think is a a mild skin disease. Lupus affects every organ system in the body. It does affect the skin, but it affects the heart, the lungs, the kidney, the brain, the blood system, the joints, the skin. And so what Selena Gomez did so beautifully was to let people know that not only is this disease devastating, it can kill, and it does kill. She had lupus kidney disease. She was marching toward dialysis. Her kidneys were failing at a young age. How old is she? 24 years old. And so she had a friend who donated a kidney to her, and she had a kidney transplant. And and that's not the end. You know, she's at 24 years old. You know, that kidney can fail. She may need a second one. Okay, she, you know, when you have a transplant, you're on anti-rejection drugs. So she's on those medications, and those aren't easy to take. So she really, I think, educated the public about the disease. And your point of, of it being systemic is part of the challenge, too, because it's not just affecting one part of the body. So you could say, oh, I'm having a problem with my liver, I'm having a problem with my heart. There, There's so many different symptoms that come up in concert that, you really need to have a good diagnostician. I, I think it's really, really important, the point that you're making about, you know, time to diagnosis. If we could cut the time to diagnosis and we could intervene earlier in this disease, we could stop the progression, slow down the progression, and intervene, and and maybe the individual would have a better quality of life. So it's it's really important to educate physicians, to educate the public of what the symptoms really are. And it, it's important, as you say, for the diagnostician to tease out whether this is lupus or not. Tell me about the walk to end lupus now. So, yeah, so we've got uh, walks across the country, uh, almost 60 of them, some run by the chapters, some operated by the national office. 
they're in major cities and other and and, and mid-level mid-sized cities across the country and um in one city we have 10,000 walkers in another city we have 6,000 in New York I think we had close to 7,000 uh walkers and 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 they're very very exciting and um very uplifting people come they decorate their t-shirts they you know have they have billboards and they carry uh various things like signs that say I'm walking for my mother, I'm walking for my, my daughter. Um, this is in honor of my daughter who passed away from lupus. So um, they come together, they get, it, it's a great networking opportunity. Uh, in some cities we have health fairs that are associated with the walk. So we have 60,000 walkers in about 60 cities across the country. Do you see any clinical trials that are being effective? Do you see any new medications mm-hmm. on the horizon? Today, and this is the really wonderful story in lupus, today we have over three dozen companies, big and small, biotechs and large pharma, who are investing millions and millions of dollars, over a billion dollars, in finding new treatments for lupus. Uh, And on the horizon, there are a number of uh, medications that are in the final stages of phase three, clinical trials, which means that in several years, they'll be ready to present their findings. If they're positive, they'll be going forward to the FDA for a new drug application. And uh, so on the horizon, there are two or three possible medications uh, for lupus. And so um, that is indeed wonderful news for anyone suffering from this disease. What message do you have for a family caregiver and their loved one when a lupus diagnosis is made? What, what would, what's the first thing you'd like to say to them? The thing I'd like to say to a caregiver of a newly diagnosed lupus patient is this. There has never been a time in the history of this disease where there is more promise. Okay, there's more research going on. I began my work here 16 years ago, and I can tell you there is more going on in lupus research and lupus drug development than ever before in the history of this disease, and that history goes back to the 19th century, okay, so when the disease was first recognized. So uh, what I will say about that is that as a caregiver, one of the most important things a caregiver in any disease needs to know is that they need help. They need support, okay, because if they're not healthy, if they're not eating properly, if they're not resting properly, they cannot take care of anyone else. And so I think connecting to other caregivers and exchanging tips and ideas about how to remain healthy and strong while while helping that that affected individual, I think is the most important thing a caregiver can do. When I see a caregiver who is tired, who is not sleeping, who is worried, who has quit their job, I say you need more of family support. You need to get other people involved with your loved one. It can't just be your responsibility.